The next case was presented to Drs. Davidson, Perez, and Picard by Dr. Robert Moss. This was a 59-year-old Vietnamese female who presented to me in October of 2003 after a mastectomy. She had a 2-centimeter grade 2 ERPR negative HER2 3-plus tumor with negative sentinel node. After consent, we sent off her tumor to Michael Press under the BCIRG006 trial, and she was, in fact, positive by FISH. So she went on to BCIRG006. She received AC times 4 followed by docetaxel times 4. The trastuzumab was added during the docetaxel and continued afterwards. She had a normal MUGA scan initially, as required by the trial. And after three months on trastuzumab, her ejection fraction decreased from 63% to 56%. She continued on the trastuzumab on trial. Three months later, the ejection fraction decreased to 37%. And the trastuzumab was stopped. We repeated the ejection fraction one month later per protocol, and it was 33%. Trastuzumab was discontinued at that point. She was entirely asymptomatic and had no findings of CHF except for a mild tachycardia of about 90. But she complained of nothing. She said she felt exactly like she had prior to starting the trial. I sent her to a cardiologist who confirmed that she had cardiomyopathy. Based on what specifically? Well, he did an echo and he just felt that the results that we had were accurate. And even though she was asymptomatic, he felt that it was real. Did he find any signs of CHF on her exam, a gallop or anything? No, not at all. He started her on Coreg and Altase. By the way, the echo was a little bit higher at 40 to 45% versus the MUGA, but I don't think that means much. In January of 2005, MUGA was repeated and the injection fraction was up to 48%. And by May of 2005 was 58%. She felt entirely well through this whole thing and has had no evidence of recurrence to date. And what was the total amount of trastuzumab she got? She had about six months of trastuzumab. And how was it taking care of her? Was it a little bit nerve-wracking looking at these ejection fractions? Well, my initial response when I saw the ejection fraction was shock because it was done routinely and I wasn't expecting that kind of a drop. Of course, you don't know what's going to happen after that. I was reassured when she saw the cardiologist and you know, he felt she was stabilizing and things would be okay. But I was nervous for a while until her EF came up. How about the patient? She sailed through it. She felt well and to her it was just a number. She was disappointed that we had to stop the Herceptin. And she's asked me afterwards, she's pretty sophisticated. She saw the stuff that came out in the newspapers and she said, you know, you think I got enough Herceptin and these kinds of questions. And I've tried to reassure her that that I certainly don't know the answer, but that she got a reasonable amount of it, and under the circumstances, it was the only thing to do. Edith, can you review where we are right now in terms of trastuzumab and the heart from the various trials and what you think about this case? The patients who develop asymptomatic changes to trastuzumab in the adjuvant trials have ranged from about 5% to up to 19%, some type of asymptomatic degrees of ejection fraction, although the great majority of these patients recover that asymptomatic lower ejection fraction, although we obviously need more data. 
in terms of the patients who have to discontinue the trastuzumab based on decreases of ejection fraction, asymptomatic or asymptomatic, then the number is a little bit different, but it's lower. So in our trial, it was about 8% in N9831, but the median duration of trastuzumab in N9831 was 50 weeks. So the majority of patients can eventually get close to a year duration based on our algorithm. There are some things that we are thinking of instituting as part of our practice that we did not do as part of the clinical trial, and it is the use of ACE inhibitors for improvement of left ventricular ejection fraction of some of these patients. We want to do this in a prospective manner to see how safe it would be to restart the trastuzumab in those cases in which there has been normalization of the ejection fraction. There's some data in the metastatic setting very selected data, though, single institutions showing that in some patients who have developed even congestive heart failure, there's resolution of the congestive heart failure that can be retreated with trastuzumab with good maintenance of the ejection fraction. But in the adjuvant setting, we want to be a little bit more cautious about this. But, you know, the ACE inhibitor situation may be one that is going to be important to follow. Dr. Picard, what were your thoughts about the presentation at the last San Antonio meeting by Dennis Sleeman of the update of the 006 BCRG trial? You mean in terms of the selection of the chemotherapy regimen? Yeah, in terms of the TCH versus what this patient got, ACTH, in terms of efficacy and also cardiac effects. Well, I think I was a little disappointed because when this biomarker analysis was presented first, there was this strong suggestion that co-amplification of the TOPO2 gene was associated with a particular benefit of the intracycline arm. And that made so much sense. That looked so beautiful that I was happy. I thought, so now I have a tool allowing me to select intracyclines for some patients and be comfortable without intracyclines for the others. And now it seems that this analysis is not confirmed with further follow-up. So a very strong message is that we have to be very careful about these premature biomarker analysis. So now we are left without a possibility to make a selection. Or alternatively, the message that is coming out of that is that perhaps the type of chemotherapy regimen is not that important. Trastuzumab does perhaps 80% of the work. And if that's the case, you even wonder why you need to go with TCH. You could perhaps go simply with a taxane. But you see, The problem is that, again, there are no data to substantiate that. Now, coming back to the case here, I would like just to inform you that there is a large randomized trial that started in France that is comparing six months versus 12 months of trastuzumab. It's sponsored by the French National Cancer Institute. I think it's an interesting study. It's supposed to enroll 7,000 women. And I think it's important to remind everyone that this one year was selected completely arbitrarily. And in retrospect, it's a pity that the big groups didn't think of putting an arm with a short duration there. Because at the end of the day, we don't know. It's possible that trastuzumab works if you give it for three months. And it's going to be very difficult to go back and ask this question now. I don't think it's possible. I'm aware of, in addition to the French study, the Italian study that will be conducted using AC followed by weekly paclitaxel as the backbone chemotherapy, where in one arm the trastuzumab will be given only with the paclitaxel portions over three months and in the other arm for the year. So Pierre Franco Conti is developing that particular trial. So there'll be two large trials looking at duration. One sequential with chemotherapy, as the French are doing, and then in the Italian study, concurrent with chemotherapy, both short versus longer duration. 
But they also need a few thousand women. Oh, and I don't know if they will get yes. that in Italy. Huh? Correct. Any role, Edith, in a patient like this for using lapatinib, assuming it were available? I think that's going to be a consideration that will in come... In this situation, here. where once her ejection fraction is recovered... I think that will be a consideration of many oncologists in view of the cardiac safety profile of lapatinib, as we know today. However, I will caution against doing this because we don't really know the efficacy of lapatinib in the adjuvant setting yet. But the thought will come to many people's minds. I don't have any question about it, actually. Nancy, what was your take on the 006 study, and what chemo trastuzumab regimen have you been using and are you using? Well, we continue to use the N9831 regimen, being as we were big collaborators of Edith's on this particular trial. I've watched that BCIRG regimen because I sit on their monitoring committee, and I guess my take on the most recent presentation is that early information that suggested that the TCH may not be as good from an anti-breast cancer point of view as the AC taxotere looks like it's resolved. I mean, you know, those curves seem to be coming together pretty nicely there. And so I would be looking at either of them as alternatives. In our practice, we tend to stick with the AC taxol because we know that and we have a lot of experience with it. But in somebody where you had pre-existing concerns about their cardiac disease, I don't think TCH would be unreasonable. What about somebody who doesn't have any concerns about cardiac disease? What's the advantage of using the AC or the anthracycline regimen? A lot more experience with it, I guess. In adjuvant therapy, it has a huge track record, a lot of follow-up. We know a lot about anthracyclines versus not. We have a lot less information available about something like TCH or TC in the adjuvant setting. So I think that history and experience would be a real plus for me. Any other comments, Edith, in terms of where we're heading right now in terms of the next generation of clinical trials and adjuvant setting for HER2-positive disease? Yeah, the two main tracks that are being taken are, number one, can we exploit the HER2 pathway, which we have now proven is important in the pathophysiology of breast cancer and a target that we can effectively go after with trastuzumab. And here the idea is to incorporate lapatinib as part of the clinical trial development. Pilot studies are being done. Martin and I will be leading the ALTO trial, which will be the definite trial to figure out the position of lapatinib versus trastuzumab or in combination or in sequence with trastuzumab. Then the other strategy that is being thought of is how about targeting a different pathway than the HER2 pathway, and that is to proceed with an anti-angiogenesis drug. And another large trial is being planned addressing this issue, trastuzumab as the backbone, along with chemotherapy, then the question of the addition of bevacizumab as the anti-angiogenic agent that is most advanced in clinical research. Nancy, specifically, I think the trial that the NSABP and the BCRG are talking about doing is TCH plus or minus BEV, question mark whether they're going to allow anthracyclines, but it seems that the NSABP and BCRG want to specifically power this to look at the TCH plus or minus BEV. How would you feel about putting patients in that study, and what do you think about that concept? I like the concept, and I have no problems putting somebody on a well-thought-out study like that. Steve? I just had a question about CMYK amplification and whether, I guess the trials are going to be looking at that, but is anyone even considering it in a clinical sense at this point? Maybe I can start, Martin. You may want to expand on what we're doing on ALTO. But in terms of the preliminary data reported by NSABP, there are a few issues. Number one, mechanistically speaking, you know, the reason CMYK was looked at in B31 was because it had been looked at in B28, and it appeared to help predict for benefit of the taxane. So it was not that CMYK was looked at because of the action of CMYK was thought to have anything to do with the action of trastuzumab. 
So that's one thing. Number two, the paper has not been published. The methodology that was utilized for simic analysis needs to be reviewed and corroborated. And that's why many of us are going to be looking at the tumor specimens of other adjuvant trials to see if we can corroborate those simic data. And then there are plans to look at this in a prospective fashion. I'm not sure that it's helping you so much in clinical practice because these patients seem to have a huge benefit, but the others still have a very substantial benefit. So maybe it's an interesting biomarker to design a trial where you would compare trastuzumab alone versus trastuzumab and chemo. Maybe that's the patient subset where trastuzumab does such a wonderful job that you don't need chemo. But I don't see how it can really help you tailoring therapy in practice. Dr. Hahn? I have several patients who have metastatic disease HER2 new positive and have pretty good objective response to a CR. About four or five years, and they're still on Herceptin. What's your advice? I've got a couple of those, and we keep going. We just can't bring ourselves to stop in the setting of metastatic disease. I don't know what you're doing. We've changed, completely changed in the natural history of metastatic HER2 positive breast cancer with the introduction of trastuzumab. And we continue this drug. Certainly patients will have continued to respond we don't stop. Dr. Picard? We don't stop either, but I'm aware of one trial, and I hope it's going to survive the results with lapatinib. It's a trial of the big group coordinated by the Germans, where they are taking women who progress on taxane trastuzumab, randomizing them to receive capecitabine alone or capecitabine and continuation of trastuzumab. And there was a study in this country that failed couldn't recruit patients. This one is ongoing. German investigators are, you know, very well educated. I think it recruits something like 150, 60 patients. The target is 300, but I don't know what's going to happen with this trial, given the capecitabine lapatinib results. Jeremy, was your patient one who responded and was maintaining her response? Is that oh, what well, you said? Disappear, CR. Yeah. CR. Yes. Yeah. CR. Yeah. So it's okay. A right. So then I would uh, continue it. Confirmed right. by yeah. CT and PET yeah. Yeah. and disappear, right. young right. woman. But I found out that after three or four years, they start to feel bad. And they're still functional, but still fatigue and no objective evidence of any cardiac problem. Do you have that kind of experience? I have two of them not feeling as hot as before. You know, it's just don't have the energy to do a whole lot of things. Yeah, our experience has been excellent. You know, just received a letter and pictures of one of my patients who originally we saw seven years ago at the clinic, bedridden, severe bone pain, multiple liver metastasis, hypercalcemia. We treated her with the weekly baclitaxel, carboplatin, trastuzumab. You know, within a couple of days, she was feeling better. And now, you know, seven years later, she has now grandchildren, looks perfectly healthy, working full-time, and she receives trastuzumab without any impairment at all, quality of life. It's beautiful. Once every three weeks. Yeah, I do use every three weeks. Well, I don't have any objective evidence. Yes. Just not as perky as before. Edith, we've had this dilemma about continuing trastuzumab forever. It would be nice if we do get an answer. What about the same issue with bevacizumab? Yeah, I think we need to be even more careful with bevacizumab, and that's why I'm so happy that clinical trials are being developed, not only in the adjuvant setting, but also in the metastatic setting to answer this very important question. Because we want to have a different path than what happened with trastuzumab. We just believe that it worked, and actually now that we've seen all of these clinical anecdotes, I believe it works, because if not, I do not expect that we will be seeing patients with liver metastasis having normal lives eight or ten years later. So I think trastuzumab is active for a long term, but with bevacizumab, the trials must be done, and they will be done. What trials specifically would you like to see get done? 
There are two trials that will help us. As you know, there are Ribbon 1 and Ribbon 2 trials available, but there are plans to proceed with what's called the Ribbon 3 trial, which will be for patients who start metastatic therapy with chemotherapy, bevacizumab, and then a randomization at the time of progression to chemotherapy alone versus chemotherapy and continuing the bevacizumab. And I hope to be able to work to finally activate this trial. Dr. Picard, you mentioned the trial looking at Cape Cytobine and Trastuzumab, and there had been sort of some initial hesitation about that combination because of, you know, in vitro work. What's your experience been with that? Well, I don't know if we have to really trust these preclinical experiments. I have used this combination with excellent results, so I'm not at all concerned that there could be an antagonism there. Actually, you know, we've looked at the data from the Chinese group showing excellent responses to that Mm. combination, and we've used it in our practice, and we've also seen very good anecdotal results. Any other questions? This has come up in our group a few times. What do you do for women that have about a one-centimeter tumor that's ER positive and HER2 new positive? It's come up several times in our group, and we have a big group, so we email everybody, and then we get about 10 different answers. And the sub-centimeter, no negative tumor, Edith? Important question, because these patients exist. They were not enrolled in the clinical trials we performed. But based on the data, we believe that here the driver of disease is going to be the HER2 positivity and not solely the tumor size. So we have been discussing utilization of trastuzumab for those patients. But for smaller than one centimeters, we just don't have any data. But we have been recommending for some patients with the caveats that we tell the patients that we don't have the absolute data related to how much benefit they will derive. The challenge that comes up immediately is, well, if you had a patient who had a 0.5 centimeter tumor two years ago, the patient did not receive any adjuvant therapy. And now you're talking about chemotherapy plus a year of drastuzumab. Complete difference in our practice. So there's some uncertainty. However, there were the two reports at the San Antonio meeting describing the natural history of small HER2-positive breast cancers, and the numbers were pretty sobering in terms of the high risk of relapse these patients have. And I think we may use those data to strengthen our recommendation to consider trastuzumab even in tumors that are small. Dr. Picard, what do we know about the relative risk reduction of trastuzumab and HER2 node negative versus node positive? Does it look like it's kind of like what we've seen with chemo and hormonal therapy that it kind of applies down the spectrum? Well, we did look at that in the context of the HERA trial in the observation arm, and our statistician did a very interesting analysis. He looked at the probability of experiencing a relapse in the first two years in these women according to nodal status and hormone receptor status. And what he showed was that nodal status is clearly important. So if you have four positive nodes or more, you have a very high risk of relapse independent of ER status. But overall, being ERPR negative carries a higher risk of an early relapse. So, of course, the follow-up in the trial is too short to tell what's going to happen to the ER-positive patients. But clearly, when you are ERPR negative, node negative, you have a higher risk than if you are three positive nodes, ER-positive. So these are interesting data, and we'll need to continue looking. Although, you know, the problem is, of course, the crossover that happened in the ERA study. So are we going to be able to really look at the natural history of the disease for many years? That is not sure. Another question, Nancy, is whether or not we're going to get the same effect of hormonal therapy in the patient with a HER2-positive tumor. What are your thoughts about that? Ugh. I think that's a... Real difficult area for me right now, Neil. I don't know that some of the biases that I held are obviously holding up right now. 
think we'll just have to see. Edith? I'm disappointed with the data that have been reported recently of the low efficacy of hormonal therapy in that setting. Any other questions? Dr. Cohn? Have you seen reversals of estrogen receptor status following trastuzumab therapy? One that's been negative become positive. There are a lot of small data sets looking at reversibility of everything, ER, PR, HER2, based on therapy, and I'm aware of even more reports coming up in the next few months. I think one of the issues on those a lot of times, it might happen biologically, but I think you always wonder too about assays. <laughs> or is it something like lymphoma where, yeah, where know, it does change. Where disease changes. Yeah, absolutely. Even when you biopsy them simultaneously. Yeah. Correct. 